Okay. Well, good evening, everybody. Let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you again for this opportunity that we have to study and learn and grow. Uh, we ask especially for your spirit to be with us as we uh, study the screw tape letters. Uh, give us wisdom and understanding as we, uh, we look at this book, and uh, we ask that you would help us to, um, to understand the ways that Satan tries to tempt us or to distract us and lead us away from you. Help us to be strong in our faith, that we might follow closely after you and not give in to the temptations of the world, the flesh, or the devil. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may remember that uh, uh, one of the topics that came up uh, in our last uh, study was that, or at least in, in terms of the story of screw tape, as uh, you have the patient who's now entered into a relationship with a, uh, a strong Christian young lady. And of course, this is something that screw tape is uh, not happy about, and he continues to be unhappy about. As we come now into letter 23, we see that uh, he has a focus here, uh, especially now that the, the patient's faith is growing through his relationship with this girl and also her introducing him to a number of strong Christians. Um, he recognizes it's going to be difficult to pull this guy away from Christianity or from spirituality in general. And so the goal of this letter then is to, to move towards how do we corrupt his spirituality? You know, he's becoming too uh, entrenched in it to just remove spirituality from him. He's got too many close relationships with, uh, with strong Christians. But how is it that you then try to corrupt the spirituality that he has? And in particular, there's a, an emphasis to trying to turn him into a, a, a spoiled saint, a Pharisee, an inquisitor, or something like that. Uh, particularly, we'll see an emphasis here on uh, a spiritual uh, pride later on. But here, his focus uh, in this letter is going to turn to the issues of um, the relationship between theology and politics. And he takes a particular angle of looking at these movements of different ways to interpret who Jesus was, uh, but all underneath that umbrella of the, uh, the, the topic of theology and politics. Now, True Tape does talk about how uh, Christians, um, well, from his perspective, it's a bad thing, but for a Christian, it is a good thing that our religion does influence our politics. Um, the Bible says things about politics. The Bible says things about what's right and wrong, about what justice is, and things like that. And so we should be concerned that our religious beliefs influence what we think about politics. But here, uh, screw tape is starting to focus on ways how uh, some people kind of, they, as they, they move into this political realm, uh, some particular ways that they have distorted and um, corrupted Christianity. And he talks about um, a good many Christian political writers think that Christianity began going wrong and departing from the doctrine of its founder at a very early stage. And then there's this, this language or this idea of recovering a historical Jesus. And uh, this, uh, this letter talks about different ways that that has happened historically. Probably the one that we're most familiar with is this idea of the, uh, the liberal historical Jesus. What this means is you've got people with these certain liberal views, and uh, they say, well, you know, we know that the things the Bible say can't be completely uh, true. And so they try to invent and, uh, and take away all these different additions or corruptions. 
So they say you have Jesus as a historical figure. There are certain things that he believed and taught. And then the church later added on all these other things that weren't really part of who that historical figure was. And so they try to take all those away to kind of, well, what ends up happening is they end up molding a particular version of a Jesus. And particularly this, uh, this historical Jesus is often construed along liberal and humanitarian lines. And of course, then Screwtape talks about, well, that's one thing that we've done is try to distract Christians is to, uh, to, to change this Jesus into a liberal and humanitarian Jesus. But now we are now putting forward a new historical Jesus on uh, Marxian, catastrophic, and revolutionary lines. And this is something, you know, we change about every 30 years who this historical Jesus is. And this is something that's, that's going on all the time. You're frequently going to hear people talking about um, you know, what the early church or what Jesus was like, and then what they end up doing is they, they try to divorce that from what Christianity has been ever since then. So that what Christians believe today is not actually what Jesus taught, and so it's, it's a making Jesus into some kind of new, new thing to support their, what ends up being uh, virtually a, a new religion. Or the reasons that Screwtape focuses on this, and, and notice the political aspect of this as well, that in reframing who Jesus is, it is almost always some for a certain political benefit. For the liberals, you end up with a Jesus who's, who's all about love, he's all about helping people, things like that, and that then becomes your Christianity, a Christianity that's about love and social justice and helping people, but without anything about sin or the gospel and judgment. Um, other versions of Jesus turn him into a revolutionary uh, figure, someone who uh, is fighting for the oppressed person, who's uh, standing up against tyranny and those in power, whether it's the religious leaders or the political leaders or things like that. Well, that's just turning Jesus into another political figure. That's what they end up doing. And they take away all the things that make Jesus unique and uh, make Christianity what Christianity is. So notice that a political aspect of what's going on here in these reinventions of Jesus. But part of the reason that Screwtape is pushing for this, he says, in the first place, all these historical Jesuses tend to direct men's devotion to something which does not exist. For each historical Jesus is unhistorical. He makes a great point here. The documents say what they say, and they cannot be added to. The Bible says what it says. And we have good reason to have confidence and certainty of that the Bible has always said what it has said. And, you do, and to, to make this, you know, this, this uh, sharp divide between you know, the first century Jesus or maybe you know, the first century church versus everything that's come since then, it just doesn't work. Lewis has some great lines here. He says, you know, each new historical Jesus, therefore, has to be gone out of them by suppression at one point and exaggeration at another. So they, they take some things about Jesus and they just suppress them because it's inconvenient for them such as when Jesus talks about judgment and stuff like that, or they exaggerate other parts of what Jesus says and overemphasize them to help them ignore the things that, again, are inconvenient. And, uh, and Lewis goes on, he, he frames it this way, by that sort of guessing, brilliant is the adjective we teach humans to apply to it, you know, as they're you know, making up this stuff about Jesus, it's you know, a brilliant theory, a brilliant scholar who's saying these things. 
But all they're doing is guessing on which no one would risk 10 shillings in ordinary life, meaning you wouldn't bet even a small amount of money that this is actually true. But they've been able to trick people. So it's enough to produce a crop of new Napoleons, new Shakespeare's, and new Swifts. Napoleon, of course, is um, the French military leader, Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, Shakespeare we're familiar with. Swift is um, Jonathan Swift. And the idea is, is you know, you, uh, each time someone comes up with a new brilliant theory about who Jesus actually was, they're, they're heralded as this next new revolutionary figure or next new Shakespeare or next new, like, great author. And their books get, you know, promoted and published. And, uh, you know, each publisher's autumn list is filled with all these new brilliant theories about who Jesus is. The reality is, if you took their arguments and applied it to anything else, you would say, that's not worth even 10 shillings. It's not worth anything. But yet, we are, you know, people are more than happy to apply that kind of stuff to the Bible. And that's because they're trying to get away or do away with who God really is, who Jesus really is, and they run roughshod over the scriptures. Uh, an example of this is there's, uh, you know, in critical theory, or not critical theory, but um, in critical studies of the Bible, they divide the Old Testament up into these various time periods and, and people who they believe wrote different things. And so they'll take, like, the book of Genesis and divide it up, chop it up into all these different authors who wrote different sections. And, uh, and it's all based off of their political reasonings and understandings for you know, why it has to be. Um, but you would never do that to any other literary text. If you applied their moda or, or their methods to Moby Dick, you would have like 15 different authors. It, you, you don't, it doesn't work that way when you're dealing with uh, a book or a piece of literature or a text. But that's what ends up happening in, in biblical scholarship. And so what happens in the end is they, you know, they're constructing these new ideas, these new theories, these new you know, quote-unquote brilliant uh, ideas of who this historical Jesus is. And the reality is they're not true. That's not who Jesus is. We have that presented to us in the scriptures. And all goes on to talk about how very often they're surrounded, uh, they're, they're based on some peculiar theory that Jesus is supposedly uh, supposed to have taught. Such as, you know, we talked about already, the liberal Jesus who's just kind and loving and, and compassionate, or the revolutionary Jesus who's fighting against the man, or things like that. He goes on to talk about another way of doing this is um, has to do with just making Jesus into a teacher. One of the great lies that's, that's out there where they just make Jesus into some kind of teacher. And Lewis talks about this in other places of his writings. He says, you can't say that. You can't say that Jesus is just simply a teacher because some of the things he says... Uh, He's either a liar or a lunatic. And he claims to be God. You can't be just a good moral teacher if you're a liar or a lunatic. Or, I mean, or if you're saying that you, uh, if you're making a claim to be God. Only someone who either is that can say it, or liars say it, or lunatics say it. Those are your only options. And so you can't claim him to be a, a good teacher otherwise. Uh, Lewis also makes the. Um, yeah, I'll just stop there on, on that point. Um, but in the end, part of, part of the reasons for all these things is to try to uh, divorce the actual Jesus from our religion so people start to end up 
following something that's false. And by all these constructions, it destroys religious life. He goes on to talk about you can't worship uh, that kind of Jesus. You can't worship a Jesus who isn't God. You can't worship a Jesus who's just a political revolutionary or uh, is just a good teacher or something like that. It destroys the entire nature of religious life once you reduce him to being something less than he actually is. Instead of the creator adored by its creature, you soon had merely a political, uh, uh, you have merely a leader acclaimed by a partisan, and finally a distinguished character approved by a judicious historian. And that's what you end up with Jesus in the end. That's not something that's worth worshiping. One of the other things uh, Lewis uh, brings out towards the end of this letter is um, he talks about, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Christians, um, Christians are supposed to have the religion flow over into their political life. We should support and desire a just society um, who knows what is right and wrong and supports what is right and fights against what is wrong. But Screwtape points out here that one of the ways that you can try to deal with that, and of course this goes back to how do you turn the patient away from God? How do you corrupt his spirituality right now? Well, you start to corrupt it by getting him to focus on politics in this way, uh, that his relationship between his religion and his politics is this. Christianity is the means to achieve the political end, as opposed to the political end being influenced by his religion. His religion becomes a means to accomplishing what he wants to accomplish politically. Um, he puts it this way, work him onto the stage at which he values Christianity because it may produce social justice. For the enemy will not be used as a convenience. People think that the, the way to fix society is to promote religion. And that is true. Because religion should have an impact on society. But once you start to think about it in those terms, you're not promoting religion because religion is true. You're not promoting God or evangelizing because that's what is true and that's what people need to be saved. At that point, your motivation has shifted that you promote Christianity or religion or whatever because you want a political end to be met. And that's a very subtle shift, but it's very important. Um, Lewis even quotes a, a writer who uh, talks about that you know, in, his, uh, in his exposition of Christian ethics and such. Uh, this guy says that only such a faith can outlast the death of old cultures and the birth of new civilizations. And he makes the point. Notice how the argument has changed. This person is not arguing you need to follow my system of what Christianity is because this is the true exposition of what Christianity is. You follow my exposition because then this can help us to deal with are changing culture and society and things going on in the world today. You see the, the, the point that Lewis is, is making there? Religion is now becoming a means to something else, not the end in itself. God is supposed to be the end. He is the end-all, be-all. It doesn't matter what happens in society as long as we have God. I mean, the Christians were still Christians and, you know, a terribly corrupt, pagan, wicked culture back in ancient Rome. 
if the United States completely collapses tomorrow and becomes as worse than you know it is today slash you know worse than in, you know any culture ever since then, we can still be faithful Christians. We can still be faithful Christians, even if we are able to have no impact socially or politically. Now that doesn't you know we we shouldn't uh, look at that as you know what we want to happen. Because we want justice to happen. We want the gospel to be able to be proclaimed freely and, and all those things. We want to be able to live quiet and, and peaceful lives in society. But in God's providence, sometimes that's not able to be. And we need to, to keep the order and priority straight. God and the Bible and Christianity first, politics and everything else second. Right, so we've covered, uh, there, there's a lot going on here in, uh, in letter 23. And so I've kind of tried to, to give an overview of most of it and kind of uh, focused on some stuff, passed over uh, some other sections. But are there any questions or comments about um, anything that Lewis has been talking about here in, uh, in letter 23? Anything you want to talk about? Questions, comments, observations? Everybody's so quiet tonight. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, turn over to letter 24, and maybe we'll, we'll have some by the end. <clears throat> so in letter 24, we uh, return again to um, the patient's young love interest, the, the lady that he's interested in. And of course, up to this point, uh, you know, she's always been um, presented as a strong Christian, uh, which she is. But Screwtape has been studying her and and sees a potential, uh, you know, little chink or little vice that uh, that she has. And um, this vice is that uh, she has a, a quite untroubled assumption that the outsiders who do not share this belief, which is her um, her belief in Christianity and things like that that the outsiders who do not share this belief are really too stupid and ridiculous. And uh, he goes on to talk about how this is, this mainly flows out of just her, um, she's naive, um, she's naive and ignorant. It appears that she doesn't have a, a whole lot of um, experience or, you know, she doesn't rub sh- uh, shoulders with, you know, a lot of people who are, are outside of her particular sphere. But Shrutate points out that this, this issue that she has um, because it's mainly out of ignorance and naiveness, it actually isn't really from a place of spiritual pride on her part. She's just, she just doesn't know any better. And so he actually is, is pointing this out not because this is going to be useful for tempting her or pulling her away from the faith, but he does think that this can be useful to work on the patient uh, who's, who's interested in her. This is a very um, this is a very interesting thing that uh, Lewis is bringing out here, and, and this you know this can come back to uh, the ways people influence each other. Now, of course, this uh, this lady has been a great positive influence on the patient. She's helped him to grow in his faith. Her uh, introducing him to all of her friends and her family, the social circle that she has, which is filled with really really strong and intelligent Christians. That has helped strengthen him and bolster his, his faith even more. But again, remember from the previous letter, the uh, screw tape's design is to try to corrupt. And so he's like, okay, this is bad for us. 
But let's try to find a way that we can twist it and turn it to, uh, to working on the, the patient and produce bad things in him. And uh, the little axiom he has to, 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 um, to, to work on this is the idea that you know, the, the novice is the one who always exaggerates. And for this patient, he's a newer Christian, and he's new to these circles. And so it can be easy to, to take him and to start to uh, exaggerate certain things because he doesn't know any better. And in particular, what you have going on here is he's uh, getting involved in this circle and uh, knowing all these people, there's a, a level of imitation that's happening. We, we influence each other and we imitate each other. That's why bad company corrupts good characters because we imitate those who are around us. That's just, I mean, you see it with kids. Kids imitate their parents all the time. They talk like their parents. They walk like their parents. They, you know, they'll do everything that their parents do. They say, they say particular phrases that their parents say. Um, funny story about that. There was a, I had a, a roommate who I, I guess I had a particular phrase that I would say, and um, he was just struck by it. He, you know, he'd never heard it before, and it was just kind of, huh, I guess David just has this little quirk that he does. But one time my parents were down visiting, and my mom was in, a, in the living room, and she happened to say that little phrase that had been bugging my roommate for so long, and he was in the kitchen, and when my mom says it, he turns and shouts, that's why he says that, and totally scares my mom. <laughs> but uh, it was just a, you know, a that's an example of kids imitate their parents, even though I didn't even realize it. And so what, uh, uh, back to what Screwtape's doing here, his point is, you know, here's a potential little flaw that this lady has. You're not really going to be able to exploit it to get her off the path. But as he is imitating her, get him to imitate this flaw. And he's new to all this. You can then exploit that in him. He uses this language, you know, get him to imitate this defect and to exaggerate it until what was venial in her, you know, what was this, you know, little small uh, sin in her ends up becoming one of the most strong, uh, you know, and, and wicked sins in him. And what the goal here is this issue of spiritual pride for her that's not really what's going to happen because uh, that's, that's not her issue. But this guy is new. You can walk him into this path of spiritual pride. Well, how do you go about doing that? Well, again, he's new. He's in this, this new circle where he's surrounded with all these strong, mature Christians. And he's growing and he's learning things and, and things like that. Um. And he recognizes, he starts to talk about some of the, the social aspects that are going on. So this guy may recognize that, you know, this girl is out of his league a little bit. But as he's getting to know her friends and this, these relationships are, are building and things like that, he is starting to think that he is like them and doesn't recognize their maturity over his maturity. And... Um, Lewis goes on to, to talk about. Uh, he has no notion how much in him is forgiven because they are charitable and made the best of because he is now one of the family. So he's, as he's building relationships with these people, you know, he doesn't even recognize that uh, 
he's still new to all this. And it's because, and the reason he fits in so well is not because he's so great. It's because they're so loving and kind that they're willing to, you know, forgive his faux pas and forgive his, his newness and, and things like that. But what, uh, what Screwtape is telling Wormwood to do is, you know, start to feed on that. Start to feed on him to, to make him think that he, to make him think that he is more than he actually is. You must make him feel that he is finding his own level, that these people are his sort, and that coming among them, he has come home. And so uh, this is him thinking about how he has uh, reached a certain level on his own. He has achieved a certain level on his own. And this is just that idea of spiritual thought, of thinking of oneself more highly than we ought. And then what happens is you start to have this contrast then as he has these relationships with his people and he starts to think well of himself that he's now such a mature Christian that he has uh, you know, reached a certain level, uh, ascended to a certain, uh, certain place, that he should then start to think about how much better we as Christians are as opposed to the rest of the world. You know, he starts to, to, you know, to realize there's a, a difference between the Christians and the world, which there is a difference. But now he starts to, uh, uh, in viewing this difference, he starts to become that Pharisee. You know, when the Pharisee prays, you know, I thank the Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, that I am not like this person, or I'm not like that person. That's what screw tape is basically trying to get this patient to be pushed towards, to start to think about how far he has ascended in his spiritual walk on his own, and then to start thinking about how much better I am and we are as opposed to all these other people. Now, of course, you have to be, you got to be careful. Um, you know, Screwtape makes the, the point here that um, if you try to make him explicitly and professedly proud of being a Christian, you'll probably fail because, well, guess what? We've got stories like the Pharisee uh, that will, you know, if we, if we literally pray that in our minds, we'll, we'll know there's a problem because we literally have that story in the Bible. But we can get close to it. You know, we may not say, thank you, Lord, that I am so much better than these other people. But we will think, of, we will think those kinds of things in different ways. We'll try to bring it in through the, the back door and, and result in this, you know, this, um, this proud view of ourselves, of what we've done. He summarizes it in this fashion. What you want is to keep a sly self-congratulation mixing with all his thoughts and never allow him to raise the question, what precisely am I congratulating myself about? You know, he's just he's just walking around, just thinking about, you know, yeah, you're doing really good as a Christian, right? You know, just, you know, a little puffing yourself up every day in, in, in how you live. And, of course, you don't think about what am I, you know, what am I actually congratulating, why am I actually thinking this way? Because, you know, if you actually start to ask those questions, you're, you'll recognize the pride that's going on and, Wait a second, no, I'm completely dependent on God and it's not of myself and you know all these other things. But just slime, mix it in, just that self-congratulation, and we can be so easily turned aside to start to have in this uh this um this spiritual pride. The, uh, another way he puts it is, you know, uh, the great thing is to make Christianity a mystery religion in which he feels himself one of the initiates. This is the idea of like uh of starting to think of Christianity as just 
you know, one of those things that, you know, really just you know, the smart people get, uh, only the people that really know what's going on, you know, they, they're the ones who are able to see it. And man, I'm really glad that I see it. You know, I'm really glad that I'm one of those people that just gets it. That's all self-congratulatory. That's all spiritual pride. That's, that's what screw tape's pushing for. And you can see what's going on here in the end is that this is uh, this results in that corruption. He's still spiritual, still going to church, he's still praying, you know, he's still doing all these things. But now screw tape's trying to come in the back. He's trying to corrupt the motivations. He's trying to take the heart, turn it around, and start making it about yourself as opposed to making it about God. And it's clever too because uh, he actually starts with the girl. He starts with the girl. You can't, you're not going to be able to corrupt it in her, but have him imitate that flaw and then take it in him and make it something even worse. We need to be careful. We need to watch out for those back doors and the sly little ways that we can let sin into our hearts and starting to, to corrupt us if we're not uh, careful and paying attention. So, all right. That's all. Uh, all I have for this evening. So, any other questions, comments, observations from from either of these letters? Anything? Anyone? Yes, Lionel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think another thing we can kind of draw from that is um, it is important to grow into maturity. Um, the fact that there's a, a gap between where the patient is and all these other Christians he's mingling with, um, you know, the expectation is he's going to grow up to become more like them. He's not there yet. But over time, he, as he imitates them, he will become more like them and will become mature. And you know, that is a good thing to happen. Um, but what Screwtape's going to try to do, and this is, you know, this is a very common thing, is as you start to go down that path, to try to twist it, especially in the studying of theology. This, you know, we, this is where we have to be careful. Some people say, you know, studying theology, you know, kills a person because they can become proud and arrogant and all these things. And it's like, no, 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 no. The study of theology did not kill them. Pride is what killed them. Uh, if they had been studying theology the correct way, they would recognize that this is something to be done in humility. And as we grow and mature, we grow and mature in humility. And, uh, I mean, this is an accusation of Calvinists all the time, that, you know, Calvinists are just, uh, um, we're just arrogant and proud people. It's like, well, if we really believe what we say we believe, we would be the least proud and arrogant people. Because we recognize it's all by grace. It has nothing to do with us. Uh, and so, and studying theology, if we study theology well, that, it, will, it should help us to grow up in those, uh, those virtues and graces to come to maturity, to have a right understanding of God, a right understanding of ourselves, and in doing that, being humble uh, humble Christians. So. Any other questions? Yes, Sam. Uh, from the other chapter, I was struck by, I think, 127. 
Yeah, and uh, and talking about social justice here, I think there's a you know a couple of things we need to keep in mind. Um, in the in part of that same paragraph earlier, um, Lewis talks about how uh, certainly we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow over into their political life. For the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. And so, when we you know social justice is a term that is has been completely hijacked today to mean certain things. I don't think, so Lewis is definitely not using it in all the ways that people talk about today, but he is coming back again to this idea of priority. Uh, to support justice in society is good. And of course, justice has to be defined biblically. Often it's defined today by equity, and that's, that's not a, a biblical definition. Uh, is everyone having the, the same outcome in their lives? Um, but here he comes back to the idea of we do want and want very much to make men treat Christianity as a, me as a means. You know, Christianity just becomes about something else. Preferably, you want it to be a selfish end, such as your own advancement. You know, Christianity is what's going to help me become whatever. I mean, and politicians do this all the time. You know, they'll go out and they'll preach at churches. Well, preach, you know. Um, speak at churches, they'll hold up the Bible, they'll quote the Bible. Why? Because the Bible still has social capital in our society, and it, it helps their image. They're just using it as a means for their own advancement to help them win elections and get political power. But failing that, uh, Screwtape says, use Christianity as a means to anything, even to social justice. And I, th I think this is exactly what you're talking about, Sam, where... For Christians, and this is part of what makes the, you know, the social justice issue today so complicated, we are not against justice in society. However, we're against wrong interpretations of what justice is in society. And secondly, we are for justice in society in its right place, in its right priority. Which means for the Christian, that is not our first priority. Our first priority is our relationship with God. Our first priority is um, the scriptures, 
conversions, evangelism, things like that. And then in addition to that, how that affects society. But we do not use our religion as that means to achieve it. And that's part of what we see going on today, that people in, in seeking to turn society on its head effectively are starting to use Christianity as a means to accomplish that. And that's a, that's a big problem. And that's part of just this, uh, this whole movement of um, the modern social justice movement coming into the church. What's, getting, what's happening is the priorities are getting reverted. Political action is number one. Preaching the gospel and saving sinners is number two. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. Yep. 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 Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, Sam's pointing out that a lot of people, a lot of churches today will say social justice is the gospel. And I, I think... I think the way to, I think a good way to summarize this is um, looking at the two great commandments. You know, Jesus talks about the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we believe. And that should be the orientation of the church. Love God first, and second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Having that priority of God first does not mean that we ignore our neighbor. Because, in fact, Jesus tell, tells us, you know, what good is it if you tell your neighbor, you know, go be warm and fed, and he's freezing, and he doesn't have a coat, and you don't give him a coat, or he's hungry, and you don't give him food. Like, that's no good. You need to love your neighbor. We need to be concerned about people. Uh, James talks about true religion. is caring for widows and orphans. And so... Uh, you can't have the first commandment and then just ignore the second and never do anything to help people. But you can't make the second commandment the first commandment. Because that's putting people in front of God. That's not good either. Um, and so keeping those two commandments in their right order and together as they're supposed to be, that's what the how the church is supposed to be. And unfortunately, people aren't starting to flip them. And that's only going to cause more and more problems. Any other questions, comments, observations? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah, that, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the parable of Jesus. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but, you know, he hires guys at the beginning of the day. He says, I'll pay you this amount for the full day. They go and do it. And then, he, you know, he hires people with different periods throughout the day. And the last people, they only work for an hour, and yet they get the same pay as the guys who, you know, who work the whole day. Um, and, uh, of course, the people who work the whole day thought, you know, oh, we're going to get, like, you know, double or triple or whatever. That's not what happens. He, you know, he pays them what he agreed. And... Uh, yeah. So we use that as a 
Right. Yes. Yeah. People definitely mis misuse that parable. I mean, the, the big point there is you're all getting heaven. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if you were, you know, you're one of the Jews that first got the word of God and the promises, or if you're a Gentile who comes in at the last minute, I mean, you apply it to individuals. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian your whole life or if you've been a Christian for 30 minutes before you die. You're all getting heaven. That's what God's promised you for those who repent and believe. Uh, you can't use that passage to turn it into communism <laughs> or anything like that. So, any other comments, questions, anything? All right. 